Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherman. Today is Wednesday, January 6th. 2021 happy new year to everybody hope you guys are enjoying it so far i know i'm ready for a fresh start and it's gonna be a big year we're kicking it off with episode 142 with the man nutty now nutty is actually the third and final founder of hood politics and i do want to kick this year off big so i'm excited to have him on in episode 142, we discuss his early inspirations and influences. Nutty has always been a lover of music across all genres. Now, I did catch the house bug in his late teens into college and never looked back. Nutty is a sick producer, and we ran through almost his entire discography and talked about where he was at creatively and where he was at mentally when he was making a lot of these songs. Now, he's been releasing music for about five years, but I'm telling you, every single year, this guy is getting better and better. He's released a slew of originals, remixes, and edits over the years, and he's a really special producer. You gotta check out his music. Now, like I said, Nutty is the third and final founder of the Hood Politics label. If you remember, I had DJ Susan and More Than Friends on earlier this year, and they all play their roles. Nutty is responsible for all graphic design and cover art. If you've never seen one of Hood Politics releases cover art, you've got to check it out. It is incredible. And Nutty told us about the technology he actually uses to make it seem so lifelike in a computerized world. I don't really know what I'm talking about there, but he explains it pretty well, so you'll have to listen in for that. Nutty and I had a great discussion on how to build your name up in the industry. This guy is someone who's really, really earned his stripes in the scene, developing relationships, sliding into DMs, making friendships, and it's all about spreading love to Nutty. This guy is so genuine and down to earth. He's all about the music and the rest of the hood politics guys are too. So it's no surprise. It's onwards and upwards every single year for them. Now, like I said, Nutty is also an insane producer and this guy shared a ton of awesome tidbits about how he makes a lot of his tracks. He doesn't just make house, he makes a lot of sub-genres in house, guys. So for any of those producers out there that are looking to hear a little bit more about strategy, music theory, creative process, make sure you take out your pen and paper because Nutty School is in session. It is truly an honor to have Nutty on the show. I had such a great connection with this guy and we were laughing so much. I'm a really, really big fan of him. I cannot wait to meet him and the rest of the Hood Politics guys in person. They are really, really special people. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it right now. I hope you have a great 2021. This is episode 142 with Nutty. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so pumped for this interview. Joey makes Melty, aka Nutty. I just said it right before we went on air. We're completing the trifecta of the Hood Politics co-founders, man. It is so good to have you on the show. Glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Like I said before we got on air, I've heard so many good things about you. Um, if you're even half the men that DJ Susan and more than friends are, I Not know we're going to be great friends. <laughs> you guys are such great people. It's like, it's unbelievable to me. The quick connection that I can develop, uh, not just with, with motivated individuals like you guys are, but just like down to earth. You guys are all about the music, and I think that's so special in the scene. 
when I feel like we see so many people that chase for clout, chase for fame, whatever. Like, you guys are just about the music, and I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah, I mean, even on top of that, I think what's most important to us are the relationships. Like, that's that's the most special thing to, I know I can speak for both of them, like, us, you know, like, linking up with someone who we met online. Uh, yeah. For example, like, our boy Revlo from the UK came yeah. to visit us, and... <clears throat> I can say for sure we changed his life when he came here because he was just a producer just like us from the UK. And then yeah. we signed him, brought him out. He headlined like a couple parties with us. And that is the most meaningful thing, more meaningful than any like top 10, you know, song or, you know, whatever. It's the relationships and getting to like literally impact people's lives and be friends with them. You know, it's like we have so many best friends now just with from just hanging and, and loving people, you know. It's so spot on that you like you took the words out of my mouth because the best part about this for me is just the one-on-one connection and conversation that I can have with DJs, producers, people in the music industry because it can be really hard, especially if you go into the industry on your own, and a lot of us do go in it on our own. Yeah. You got to go up and introduce yourself to DJs at the club while they're DJing. You got to DM people on Instagram. You got to message them on Twitter, right? It's like it's hard to get the ball rolling, but once you do, you realize like we all just want to help each other. And I've seen that more than ever this year, but I feel you, dude. It's like, we all, we all recognize, it's like real recognize real in the music industry. For sure, bro. You gave me the goosebumps when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good, man. Yeah. It's, it's tough though, man. It's, it's a lonely, sort of a lonely um, journey to go on, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the whole production thing, and especially like going out to shows solo to try to network and stuff. That's like the most challenging heart. And yeah, it's it, there's, there's nothing comfortable about that, you know. Um, yeah. But once you kind of get your your wheel rolling, uh, it's it's amazing. The relationships that come from it and just, you know, the when, once you can kind of take part in the love of the, the scene in the industry, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And we have a beautiful scene and especially in the house music scene. It's not just the DJs and producers, and I think that's what's so special about the EDM community as a whole, is everybody who's a part of it is able to be a part of it. We want to engage with the fans. The fans want to engage with the DJs. Uh, I see labels growing more and more every day. I see people starting labels, which used to be, I feel like, a pretty intimidating thing. And I'm really excited to ask you about the politics. Um, but I feel like when I started in the music industry five, six years ago or whatever, and it still is, Major labels play a huge role in the foundation of the industry. You know what I mean? It's like any big business is going to have big players. But what really makes the world go round is the little guys, because we're the ones who define the culture. We're the ones who grow brands. We're the ones who develop this following. And I think there's so much longevity in that, and that's why I think it's been happening a lot more this year, because we've all discovered what's really important. And it's like I said in the beginning. It's the music. It's like you said, it's the relationships and it's just so cool to see all that coming together. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you can only have so much of a, a community with like a big dog label, you know? Um, I think exactly. it's like, like you said, it's the small sort of like niche groups that kind of make up, you know, the, the friend groups that are at these big shows, you know, yeah. and those just expand and expand until everyone knows each other. And then it's, then you have a sick party, you know, uh, and <laughs> that's, that's, right. yeah, that's, that's the beautiful side of the, the, the industry is like, everyone seems to have their own role. And it's, what's crazy to me is like, 
And I love it that there's people who, uh, and I mean this in a good way, they, they don't contribute to the scene, meaning they don't run a label, they don't produce, they don't DJ. They're just audience members that are passionate and they're there all the time. Yeah. And I got to say, those are like my favorite people because it's kind of a, um, in a way, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's cool. Like it's rare, you know, I feel like everyone who is, is about it wants to try to DJ, you know, and they try to, they try their hand at it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the, the about the, the side of people that everyone wants to contribute to the scene and make their own sort of mark on it, you know? And then there's the people who are just there for the good time and just there because they love it. And yeah, you know, I mean, put that all together and that's, that's where we live. We all coexist. Yeah. (laughs) Precisely. There you go. Yeah. You you grew up and I, it's funny because I feel like I've heard your life story in one way or another. Probably. Dr. Clemente, you've heard my story. (laughs) Funny guy. Uh, But you grew up in in a really rich culture, which is Southern California. Obviously there's a, smorgasbord I don't know why I just said smorgasbord but it came to my head (laughs) it's a smorgasbord of different types of people San Diego Los Angeles like all the other suburbs and things like that too what was it like for you growing up in Southern California and the music scene when did music first come into your life um I've I've always been like really into music um my brother was in like a screamo band when I was like I don't I think like 16 yeah he was in like a death metal band Uh, i was taking like guitar lessons and stuff as a kid um drum lessons piano lessons and yeah i guess like the first shows i would go to were my brother's like death metal shows which (laughs) you know like the as i lay dying a day to remember like i love that shit wow Uh, yeah let's go i'm with you for sure um and yeah, then I went to, like, street scene, which isn't a thing anymore in San Diego, but it was a, a big, like, sort of block party um, outdoor thing, and that was the first, like, concert I had ever been to. I saw, like, Jimmy Eat World and uh, yeah. uh, Social Distortion. That, Social D is, like, my favorite band ever. I used to have a Social D pillowcase, and <laughs> wow. uh, I, saw, I saw them, and it blew my mind. That was the first time I, like, smelled weed, I remember. It's just a, a huge, huge... <laughs> you know, bookmark in my life. Um, Stone, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, you know, I was like uh, a huge like stoner in, in high school. So I was really into like reggae, would go to like reggae fest at the Del Mar Fairgrounds all the time. So I was like always going to, like always trying to see and hear as much music as possible, you know? Um, and uh, I started producing at like, I, I was 13. We started like, you know, we had a garage band, started making like hip hop beats and started rapping on it as, as oh, middle yeah. school stuff. And uh, <laughs> just uh, sort of kept going with it and, and made like hip hop beats and stuff for a while. And then that kind of just progressed. Uh, it was like, you know, you, you spoke with Clemente, more than friends. He, um, him and I went to like kindergarten together. So him and I are like basically the same you know, we have the same story. Uh, and yeah, we went to the same elementary school, middle school, all that. So, um, him and I used to like, there was these apps on like iPads and stuff that were like drum pads. I'm, I'm actually surprised he didn't mention this uh, unless he did, uh, like drum pads 24 or something. It's basically just like a mini Ableton live kind of a thing or like the Ableton push or whatever. And, but it's all like, uh, 
tuned and everything. So like anything you play just sounds amazing. And we would just spend so long like making loops and stuff or like guitar with like a wah, wah, wah pedal. And um, him and I were just always making stuff like that. We would like make little bands together and, you know, jam guitars. And then, yeah, I, uh, I got this program called Mixcraft, which was a, a PC version of like GarageBand, like a very ghetto PC ripoff. Um, almost looked like Audacity. I don't know if you're familiar with Audacity. Yeah, of course, of course. Kind of, kind of looked like, and even, even more ghetto, like a very like Windows 97 version of that. Yeah. Um, and I was just making these, you know, just like beats or whatever. I like Snake Hips was like my my idols, you know. Of course. Um, and that just I I guess I moved to San Francisco, and that's when I got really into house music. But. Um, what? How old were you when you moved to San Francisco? Uh, I went to college there. So I was like 20 when I moved there. Oh. I, I transferred there I, like halfway through college. Um, yeah, I get, well, okay. So let, let's rewind a little bit. <clears throat> um, the first like club or nightclub I ever went to was a, I was like 19 using my, my brother's ID <laughs> and <laughs> went to Spin in San Diego, which is like where one of the best spots. Yeah, we, we love I it. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been across twice, and I always go to spin. For sure. Yeah, shout out uh, Brano and Brandon, the managers there. They're huge homies. They put us on for sure. They helped us throw some amazing parties. Great. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, it was like an, some LIB. It was like the LIB pre-party, I think, of like 20, I don't know, 13 or 14 or something. And um, it was Justin Jay and Jay Flip. And it was, I was just like a youngin in a nightclub, my first time ever in a nightclub. And I was just going bonkers, like losing <laughs> my mind. And I remember Justin Jay played first and I was just like obsessed. And I just wouldn't stop like high-fiving him. It was the way it's arranged now, You like the stage is up high, but it used to be like kind of ground level. Yeah. And I remember just like high-fiving him and then uh he after his set jay flip came on and he came out in the crowd and found me and was like dude like i love your energy like you're the shit and we basically hung out the rest of the night and like i wouldn't say i'm good friends with him but every time i see him he's like what up joey you know and that kind of fueled me to be like shit like this is fun you know like i love meeting these people and stuff yeah and yeah i went to like lib uh, then I went to Desert Hearts, and then it was game over. I was just like fucking tunnel vision for uh, music festivals for a while. Yeah. Uh, did LIB for like three years. Desert Hearts used to be twice a year. I went to my first one was their two year anniversary, and then they do it twice a year. So I just did that twice a year for like, I want to say like three years or whenever they stopped doing it twice a year. Die hard. Uh, yes. Yeah. I went full invested, like, fully involved with the, the festival scene and then yeah. moved to San Francisco and started uh, DJing and producing house. And then uh, it just kind of, yeah, you know, it just kind of progressed from there. Wow. Wait, so I got to backtrack you a second. So you yeah, sorry, it, I, I you just touched the, the whole 50 states right there. <laughs> no, bro, that's actually perfect because there are a few parts that I want to point out there. First thing, so you, you got your hands on GarageBand. Or, you know, the the, the ghetto audacity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually have never heard of that. Honestly, I've never heard of that. Don't look it up. You don't want to see it. 
Um, so you were obviously producing for your DJing. You went to the club, yeah. you got house music and yeah. stuff, right? Who introduced you to DJing then? Like, when did that really come along? Because you're, you're producing first. Yeah. Was there kind of a moment that you remember, like, fuck, I love house music. This is what I want to do. Um, the first time I started messing around with DJing was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he wasn't my roommate, but he was my, my roommate's friend. He was just kind of a mutual friend of, of all of us. Um, and his name's Nick. He goes by Doback. He, uh, now is like one of the lighting guys at uh, ten fifteen in San Francisco. Um, so he's he's really involved in the scene up there now. Uh, and yeah, he just had like a tractor controller and would just bring it over. And he was really into uh, uh, kind of bass music, I guess, um, like Oshi and uh, Hurt <laughs> Floyd and like that whole side of things and yeah. that was kind of what I started DJing um and just like in my you know in our living room yeah. uh but yeah the first time I touched a controller or anything was like the track oh uh, wait a minute wait a minute no 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 bring no. it out of you yes this is what I want no, no 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 that was that was the tractor days Clemente and I fucked around with Serato before I moved to San Francisco yeah. now that I think about it and we were we were hitting like the snake hips and the the Odessa and yeah <laughs> You're right. In his lawn, in his parents' laundry room, with his Serato controller, we had put in like yeah GTA, like Yellow Claw, all that. Yeah. Uh, we had we we had put together this like set where we were just so in tune. Like we could have started a a DJ duo for sure because we had it down to like where you got to push this button at this beat, and we had like a, a thirty minute set. What's you that? Know, he loved that shit. Like and he had he was he was fucking producing. I can't remember what his name was, but he was producing bass music. Who? Clemente. He's he's gone oh. through multiple name changes and multiple. Oh, like, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, he's. I forget what his first one was, but he. Gold he, class. No, that was like the most recent one before More Than Friends. Right, that was like right. his third one. So it was Menti. <laughs> like Clemente, just take out the the cle. So it yeah, was Menti, and it was like Menti above a Nike swoosh was his logo. <laughs> and then I need to see that. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he's got it. Uh, Menti, and then I forget. He he had some other one, and then he went to Gold Clap, and then he got the whole like the informal cease and desist from Golf Clap. Yeah, he told me that story. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's good. I don't have to tell that. <laughs> uh, and changed it to More Than Friends, and and here we are. That's awesome. But you guys were getting into the scene together then. That's that's really special. Yeah, him and I, and just like music wise, like his dad is is in a band, so I'm like, I I used to go to his house and we would like you know play around. His dad is like this whole pedal, guitar pedal thing, and we would like jam again. Like, we smoked a lot of weed and uh, in high school, and we would like, uh, Clemente's really good at guitar, so we would both get guitars and just like improvise and jam out. And him and I have always been very musically sort of on the same page. Sure. Uh, kind of my my brother in the musical space and then um in terms of like growing up you know and then and then and then steven came along so i met steven at desert hearts we just happened to camp next to each other and uh yeah we just bonded we both had like clothing companies at the time Mm -hmm. and we both had these so so I mean, you want to get into the the hood poly story right now? Yeah, bro. Like, let's see. Let's let's hear the beginning. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so hood, 
Steven, Steven really founded Hood Politics. It was just a clothing company before it was a label. And it was his just like, uh, it was just him and his, you know, his like neighborhood buddies that he grew up with. And he, you know, wanted to brand it in, in some way. I'm sure he has a more beautiful way of telling the story. This was before I knew him. So uh, I'm sure he'll be pissed if he sees this. <laughs> he made a brand and was like, you know, giving t-shirts to his homies, selling them to, to the gang. And uh, it was just like a little merchandise line. Um, and I was doing the exact same thing, like screen printing out of my garage with one of my buddies. Uh, yeah. My own company, we called it Plannery. Uh, and we were just all, it was everything about like plants. And we were just huge stoners, like I said. So, <laughs> uh, and yeah, <laughs> it was just, yeah. Every, um, in fact, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, come on. Here it is. Yes. <laughs> this is my, my ladder from like six years ago. I've, I've got like hundreds of these. <laughs> That's awesome. But wow. yeah, so um, Stephen and I just camped next to each other at, at Desert Hearts. And that's how we became friends. That's how I met like Kelby and a whole bunch of people. Um, but uh, yeah, he was throwing parties in Encinitas. Um, we're all from North County. So like, uh, I guess we're all from Carlsbad. Uh, but you know, Encinitas, Carlsbad, Lucadia, it's all one and the same. Um, and yeah, he was just, you know, he's like a, a full-time DJ. He's always been a DJ. So he would just throw these parties at shelter or, you know, wherever there was this, this sushi spot called Zenbu. I'm, I'm sure it came up in previous conversations. Yeah, it came up both times. I, I, mean, <laughs> I think I could have been one of these parties. Yeah. That's really the Mecca of where, of where Hood Poly became like a music thing. Awesome. That was where it was called Wet Wednesdays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So Wednesdays at this just random sushi spot in like a... <laughs> Would you guys bring speakers or like, I, I want to hear more about the sushi place because like it comes up every time. But I was yeah. like, that's what I'm talking about, dude. That's like the little guys, right? Like that's what people want. That, oh, sure. that experience. Yeah. Steven would show up with his speakers, a table, the decks, the yeah. 900s, you know, the CDJs. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, like you walk, like you, you're in that parking lot and you're like, why the hell would anyone throw a party in this sushi place? Like, it's the most random, <laughs> the most random, like place to throw an event. And I don't know, Steven just has a way with like, again, it's, it's cause he's, you know, he's, he's kind of always been a full-time DJ. So that's, that's sort of what he needs to do, but he has a, a way with finding people to help him throw parties or venues to host parties at yeah. he's a freaking genius when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and he's obviously very well connected in, in the San Diego scene because of that. Um, and yeah, I, again, I have no idea how he secured the, the Wednesday night party at the sushi spot, but <laughs> it's, it's by no means like a, like a pop in sushi spot. You know, it's not like the, the biggest one it's, it's, Again, just a kind of a random sushi spot, but it's good. It's legit dank sushi. Hell I, I yeah. Highly enough. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, he was just throwing these wet Wednesday parties and would brand it as like a hood politics party. And we started doing it. I mean, he was doing it every week, but like I started DJing almost every one. And then same with Clemente. And well, you graduated college at this point, obviously. Um, no, I because I remember coming down from San Francisco for like Christmas and like you know asking to get on one of the lineups um and yeah no so this was 
it, that was all kind of going on when I was finishing school in San Francisco. And then I, I finished school, moved home to Carlsbad. And that's when it was like, you know, we were always just doing things and hanging out all the time. And, you know, I like, like I said, I had started like a clothing company with my high school buddy, fresh out of high school. And like, I'm just, I don't know, I'm the kind of person that always likes to be like building something and just working on something. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, the, the clothing thing kind of fizzled out or we kind of just got over it and music was sort of taking over my life. And I was like telling Steven, like, dude, we should turn this into a label. We're all producing, you know, why don't we build a platform and yep. put out our own music? And, uh, he was, um, I don't know. He just wasn't ready, you know, cause it was, Hood Polly was his baby. It was his clothing thing. It was his like, you know, little branded event that he would throw and he wasn't ready. And I remember always being like, you know, let's, let's turn this into a label. Let's turn this into a label. And, uh, I, I was like so hungry to start working on some kind of project like that. Um, uh, there's a, his name's Jacob Wilcox. He's from the UK. He has a, a little, I guess it's a label, mostly a SoundCloud page, but I guess it's a, he's also really well connected in, in the UK, but uh, it's called Prescribed. It's a, okay. uh, basically, a, basically just a SoundCloud page, to be honest. Um, that's how it started. He put out like my first music or my first like EP, you know, um, which I guess it was just a SoundCloud release. So it didn't really come out, but, uh, uh, and he he was like hey i want to start a label and i want you to like manage it and i was like perfect i'm like ready you know yeah. and i went through all this all these meetings and stuff and i was like about to start it with him and then steven i i don't know if it was a phone call or a text but i just remember steven saying like i'm ready or it's time or something and i knew exactly what he was talking about and i said fuck it you know fuck this other label let's do this yes. and I went to his house, we had a meeting, we sat down, um, you know, he already had like the logos and all that because of the, the merch clothing he was doing. And it was just about getting distribution, you know, um, and figuring out that whole side of it. And we set it all up. Um, my cousin was a, or is a graphic designer, illustrator, animator kind of guy. And he was making these like C4D artworks which is like the kind of which is like the the album art that we put out was kind of like c4d i don't know if you're familiar with that it's like a sort of the 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 it's like digital shit that looks real like you're literally creating like a a real environment uh and they you know that's how they make like i don't know see like just look it up c4d is the most crazy digital artwork now and so he was he was already doing that we basically signed him to do all of our album art and then we just started releasing music. So this was 2016. You guys probably had a meeting. Um, 20 October. Um, no, that was probably it was 2017. Like, like maybe July or August, because our yeah. first release was was uh, October 1st or maybe September 30th of uh, 2017. Yeah, because you guys released a four-track EP. I think it's the first thing I can find. Yep, yep. It's, it's label showcase. than Dylan Payne. Yeah, Dylan Payne was yeah. So we had we actually had five people when we started. It was me, Clemente, Stephen, 
um, Dylan Payne, and then our buddy Doe's, uh, Chris, Chris Doe's Baba. And um, Doe's, Doe's DJs, is, he, he DJs, um, but doesn't, doesn't produce. And, uh, you know, just it, it you really got to be like about it every single day to, to really keep pushing for a, you know, a label in a, a genre, you know, specific as, you know, tech house. Yeah. Uh, and Dylan was with us for a while. Uh, that song on that EP fucking slaps from Dylan body roll. That's, that's still, like, one of our sickest tracks. I, I, say. I like, I hadn't heard any of those songs from you guys. And I was like, all right, I gotta go back to Nutty's first tracks and I'm seeing from 2017. I like on beat for it. And I'm like, well, shit, this is a fucking low key EP with some bangers. Like you guys all put out some like, yeah, Steve, was the first of politics release? Yeah, ever. Uh, Steven was really groovy was his song. Mine was Shaking the Block. And uh, I forget what More Than Friends was. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was a sweet little release. Um, and wow. yeah, honestly, those are still some of like our, our sickest tracks, I'd, I'd say. <laughs> For sure. And so, so you did release some music before 2017 on SoundCloud, you're saying, right? Um, yeah, I had put out, again, it was like on, on SoundCloud with Prescribed. Uh, I don't know if, I think I had put out music before Hood Poly because, um, like, this is funny, West End, you know, West End? Yeah. Uh, he used to be like A&R for, um, you know, Sodef, S-O-D-F? Yeah. Yeah, so two Australian boys. Uh, they created this label called Art Department Records which I don't know how they got away with the whole art department thing, but uh, (laughs) I was stoked on it because I was like, shit, it sounds like I'm releasing on art department's label. And like, you know, we're like, that's, that's some, some clout in a way, but it's, it's totally just a coincidence, I guess. Um, But uh, yeah, I had put some stuff out uh, on their label and that's, that's when I met Tyler when it was just like on, you know, on, on, we were just internet friends um, but that was before his whole rise, you know? Um, and yeah, I put out, uh, an EP with them. I think that's actually my very, very, very first release ever, um, on like Beatport or Spotify or anything, um, was, it was called Sex and Minimal Tech. Yeah. Uh, I got it right here. That, that was, yeah, you do. Um, that was good. Really though. Yeah, like that one, I hate the, the mixing and mastering is, is terrible. That was really oh, where I was like, of course, Man, I'm listening. I mean, what are you gonna do? It's the journey of yourself as an artist, bro. For sure. Seriously. So b- before I before we get into like the past three years for you, when did you really say, okay, my brand is nutty. I want to make this music. I'm gonna start stacking tracks. Was that 2016? Was that when you were connecting with Steven? When did that really evolve? When did you take that step to say, I'm doing this? Um. <sighs> I mean, dude, Nutty, Nutty used to be like, like, like trip hop kind of bass stuff, you know, like I, I used to, I was very sort of not involved cause I didn't, I wasn't like putting out releases, but you know, I, I was in, in the SoundCloud scene back when SoundCloud was firing. Of course. Uh, That's why I said that counts as a release, dude, cause that was Beatport. It, yeah, it was, dude. SoundCloud used to be the shit, man. <laughs> Yeah, the good old days. Um, so I mean, I like I had put out an EP on. Fuck, that was that was before San Francisco. I was like putting out 
this was a, an entire e or it was an album i would say it was 11 songs i put it out on my birthday which was 11 11 so it was like 11 songs for 11 11 it was called super kinda and i like it was it was so stupid and it was like <laughs> for me it was this huge deal you know yeah. and you know which which it is like for people who are putting out stuff like that like it is it's it's a big deal and even in like the personal growth department, you know, um, of just putting, putting something out and being okay with people listening to like your, whatever you make late at night, you know? Um, but yeah, so like the, you know, the brand nutty has, it was never like nutty is going to be this, this tech house sound like, yeah, it, it's just, and honestly the name nutty, like I, I used to hate people have just always called me that I used to hate it. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, my, my best friend when I was little, his older brother was like sick ass football player on our, on our, uh, on our high school team. They won like the CIF championships and stuff. So he was just this like macho jock guy yeah. and he would always be like McNutty, like what up, you know? And then he, he started calling me just nutty and I hated it. I was like, dude, stop calling me that. And it, yeah. it, bothered, it bothered me. And then I, I had to embrace it one day you know i had to like just just run with it and then so yeah that was just what i released music under and that changed from the kind of you know like trip hop chill wave kind of just whatever you call that stuff synth pop kind of stuff yeah uh to you know the sex and minimal tech kind of thing which isn't really it it's kind of tech house but it's not like you know jack and tech house it's and then for sure it's something something under it yeah kind of uh yeah more deeper and then it's you know it it just evolves so yeah i don't know you, you look at people like um you know like like biscuits or like chapter and verse who like the only thing you know with their name is that like specific kind of sound right and there's totally you know benefits to that um i don't know i'm just I'm not, that's not, that's not me. I just, I, I've, I've evolved, you know, and I totally, I've thought about like changing my name to start like a new kind of brand. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck it. Like, you know, this is, this is my story and yeah, that's it. You know, I love that, man. And, and honestly running through all your music, you just basically explained it because I've interviewed a lot of people who Obviously, like producers, you want to have that sound. You want to have the foundation. You want to have the groundwork where I know, all right, this is a nutty track. Like, whether it be right away or some part of the song, if I didn't know, what would make it, right? But you, through all these different releases, and specifically on your releases on Hood Politics, there's always a little something different, bro. And I really respect that because that's super difficult to do as a producer, especially in our world. But in 2017, like you said, and I'm going to bring this back to you, Torn Together, on White Widow Records. Torn Together, yeah. I didn't you? I knew you, yeah. That's a good track. That's a good track with, uh, I don't know how to say, I want to say his name correctly, Emu? Ema, yeah, yeah. Ema. Uh, yeah, his name's Alex Hume. It's just his last name backwards. Uh, nice. That's also one of those key players that, like, really, we just adopted as, as like, the Hood Poly family. There's certain people that just really impact us, you know? Sure. And we just take under our wing and just become best friends you know yeah he's definitely one of them he's done mastering for us he's a great guy he's up in uh the pacific northwest uh i should definitely know this i want to say seattle 
um, or just, no, 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 uh, up there somewhere, I forget. Uh, but we went on like a little tour up there and we, we hung out with him and his girlfriend, uh, Zof. And yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, great. Yeah. So yeah, torn together. That one's a fucking vibe. That's like, Dude, a, seriously. And that's what I literally wrote. Wow. This is a vibe. <laughs> Sorry. It's, uh, well done. That was, uh, I think a dirty cassettes. Is that the, the band name? Is that a, yeah. Is that a right. band? The dirty cassettes. I've heard of that before. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I because th- he he sampled something from them, and that was a collab. So he just sent me the stems, and I I finished it. And yeah, all those like, yeah, that's that's a crazy one for sure. That's that's one of those unique unique tracks for sure. It's a cool track for real, man. I mean, uh, another one here too, right? It was yeah. You had said shaking the block. That was just so cool to see. Um, honorable mention here. The one you were talking about, Higher, the West End Selection album. I saw fucking John Summit on that fucking collection with you, bro. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, I have the highest played track in that, not counting Summits. I think he had like a data transmission, uh, <laughs> his, which takes it out of the running. Bro. But yeah, I remember Tyler hit me up and was like, yo, we're doing this art department, like my own little curated thing. And he reached out to me. He was like, I want a track from you. And I said, let's go. Yeah. And, sent him that and he was like it's perfect let's run it and i think that was the last song on the list and i'm pretty sure i mean i could be wrong now but there was a time when i had the most plays and i was like championing that like i yeah and yeah it was like me west end john summit uh i think bacosaurus maybe or i don't know a couple other uh people who at the time were all just the underground kids and yeah Look at it. Look at it now. A couple of them are our top dogs now, which is. Uh, it's a genuine pleasure to, to see people like you and Summit and West End grow. Like, I mean, I'll, I don't tell you, bro. I hope you know the bubble's about to pop for you for more than friends. For you do. Like, you guys are right there, man. You know what I mean? Like, look, look how much happened to John Summit in the year. Look how much happened to West End. So I know. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> and you never know. If you ask John Summit, what was it? What was it about Deep End? What was it about this? He's just making music, dude. Same sure. like, same like me, right? Just keep following your path. But sure. no 2016, doubt. right? Like you were obviously continuing to produce. You release school releases. Before you're going into 2018, where did you feel creatively, right? Like you just mentioned your first track. It was not the best mixing master. Were you focusing on quality, creativity? Do you remember what was going through your head at that time? Um. No, nah, man, like, honestly, for me, like, I like that you asked that because I haven't really thought about it like that. Yeah. I've never really, like, approached music with, like, a, <clears throat> with, like, a, a business plan, for lack of a better word. Like, sure. I'm going to try to create this kind of sound in this. And, you know, like, <clears throat> I've been, what, I'm, I'm 26 now. I've been producing music for half of my life. Yeah. I started when I was 13. And I literally just do it because it's like a release for me. I don't like, it's, it's almost therapeutic. I, I hate working on music when it feels like a chore, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and like, uh, you know, like bouncing out like pre-masters and like doing the car test and adjusting the mix and like <laughs> super annoying for me. Like I, I just love producing music and like finding cool sounds and like, uh, 
uh, what was the Ema song called? What's the the one that the vibe one? Torn together. Yeah, torn together. Yeah, like that <laughs> one. I had so much fun with because I the the stems that Ema gave me um, just sent me on a journey, you know. And I probably stayed up till like five in the morning for like a week just uh, working on that because I I I love it, you know. So uh, I honestly don't know what where my head was at in 2018 in terms of like what kind of style or, or brand I was trying to create. I was just doing me. And I know around that time I was making like a Nora Jones edit. Um, and I was, I was all like, and I still do that. Like I look for songs that are just like, nobody can listen to them and not like them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and not even like thinking about it like that, but just like songs that are just fucking slaps, you know? And just, if you feel like there's an opportunity to make it into like an edit, you know, yeah, that was like my focus was, was finding inspiration, I guess, you know, I, I'm, I love making edits. I love sampling it. It really does wonders for me. Creating a track from scratch is a a little more challenging. Um, but yeah, like honestly just following whatever I thought sounded sick and what I thought people could dance to, you know, for sure, man. I mean, and you really went in 2018 with a lot of confidence, started making waves and put out a lot of music, too. That was a big year for you. Travel Asian EP on Laser Native. That, yep. that one where I was like, OK, like this guy, this guy is making whatever the fuck he wants to make because that was good music. But it wasn't like anything you released in 2017. Right. It was, yeah, it was a bit different as well. For sure. And Boondocks, man, I hearted that track right away. That one was cool. Boondocks. Yeah, that one. uh yeah, Boondocks with Jake Farmer, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so Jake Jake Farmer is also one of those hood poly little celebrities. Um, <laughs> he's he's in the UK. He's actually a he was producing. He was he would send us so many demos, <laughs> not even like as a demo. He would just send me tracks to share them with me. Yeah, and like they were all so sick, but just all like not quite there, you know? Right, right. And I was always just like, dude, like, just keep, instead of making another song, just put that session into this one you already made. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's a creative genius. And now he, uh, he kind of just transitioned into graphic design and he killed it. I don't know. He probably has like 50,000 followers on Instagram now. Oh, wow. he's, he crushes it with graphic design now. So, uh, and we're, you know, we're totally still homie. He's like made some flyers for us and stuff and he's. Oh yeah. Total homie. But yeah, that song is pretty different. Um, Laser Native, yeah, it was like a three three song EP and I was so gassed on that. Um, and yeah, I remember doing uh, some some kind of like charity thing or uh, yeah, where if people bought, I just remember like soliciting that EP like heavy, you know, and it, I think it got to like number three of like B-Port releases or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, over the moon about it because yeah. I couldn't even comprehend that. And I know it was because I was just pushing it so hard, you know. Um, Fuck yeah, though. But yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. And But yeah, that, that kind of style of music is so, so different than yeah. not only what I make now, but like what I'm interested in now, you know. Yeah, for sure. But again, man, it's like your journey. Yeah. I love that. I love that EP. And then you release another EP full circle on Hood Poly. This one was cool because yeah. you had three banging remixes, dude. Yep. How did you choose? And this is a question that I personally want to ask, right? Like, 
you got these tracks, Joey. Like, do you go to the guys? Do you send them out to people and say, do you want to remix this? What's that process like for you? So back then, we used to try to find remixes for every release we did. We would go, but we were doing remix, or we're sorry, we were doing releases uh, every two weeks. So bi-weekly releases. Damn. And with that kind of time frame, you know, when you sign, if you sign six songs or six whatever, yeah. that's three months of releases, you know? So if we have six things in the pipeline and then we sign the seventh the seventh thing we have like three months to you know figure out album art remixes and all that so right. we used to have a lot of time to like we honestly spent way too much effort like always trying to get a remix for it and yeah. so and like for our own for our own eps we always just wanted people to remix it because it's like it's just fun you know it's cool it's cool absolutely um, yeah, Full Circle was, that came out on our one-year anniversary, the Hood Poly first year, first birthday. Yeah. And yeah, what, there's a, a Cosmalia remix, there's a Riffa remix, yeah. and an Emo remix, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, so those are just the three, I mean, Cosmalia's from San Diego, we're, we're friends with her, Riffa, he, uh, Riffa was... I think Riffa was on the art department or the West End Selects, maybe. I don't know. Him and him and Tyler go way back. They're both from New York. Nice. Uh, and Riffa, just one of those like internet friends we became friends with. He lives in San Francisco. We've hung out a bunch now. Yeah. Um, he's the fucking man. I love Riffa. And it's, you know, Ema. So it was just basically reaching out to whoever wanted to do it, you know? Um, yeah. Cosmalia's got kind of a kind of a darker style riff was a little uh kind of bassier at least back then that was kind of how it went and then ema was very ema that torn together is like a good representation of of ema and his style he's very sort of left field kind of he, he definitely goes for more of like an emotion kind of a vibe so they were great dude they put, um, your, they put your originals to the test for real and it was that's why i was like this is something special because it's it's two tracks three remixes it's just listenable. It was great. Awesome variety. Very special. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was, that was a cool, I'm like, I'm definitely proud of that EP for sure. Like I would, yeah. I still play those out for sure. For sure. I mean, dude, and like 2018 kept going though. This, don't forget about rounders on Merch City demos. Yeah. That's, that's another one of those unique, very unique ones. Yes. Like you not a tech house banger, kind of a dark, dark growler you know where like where does where does it come inspirationally for you like you said with samples right like you don't start from scratch with nothing right with a song like that what's it like for you in the studio when you're trying to build a different vibe is it just does it just come naturally i don't know man <laughs> hey sometimes that's the answer i get that answer a lot <laughs> I, I remember with that one i started with like there's like these very subtle vocals that are in the beat that you can't really hear. It's like, uh, it's like, it says like, come on or something. And, uh, there's a couple little, like really subtle vocal things. And, uh, I don't know, man, I, the creative process is so messy for me and it's so just like <laughs> a, a tunnel that I just follow. And I definitely didn't like, I mean, I never do. I, I never map out a track. I mean, I try to nowadays because it's organizational skills are 
helpful with stuff, but like, yeah, man, like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you how I, how I went into that track and how I wanted it to come out and how it turned out. Uh, I just know there's like a breakdown in the middle of that track that I don't know how I, I produced. It sounds so analog and yes. Uh, yeah, that one, that one's all, yeah. I love that one too, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then That's, we go to the other side like, of the field. Like, though. I, what's that? We go to the other side of the field. Don't forget about your fucking uh, Del Shannon's late night edit, a runaway on Spira. Shout out to fucking Tom Greco. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Greco's the boy. A Dude. huge Hood Poly celebrity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna use that word for our, our, uh, our best yeah. friend that we've. Yeah. If you guys aren't already using that, that is a great way to put it. You guys have a lot of Hood Poly celebrities. Dude. Yeah, we got the the boys. Yeah, Greco's the fucking man. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. He really is. He's definitely had an impact on us. He's come and visited us. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's he's the man. We threw him like a headlining party at. Uh, so in Encinitas, there's a spot called Shelter. Uh, it's like on Coast Highway. It's just like basically the only thing closest to what you would call a nightclub in North County, San Diego. Sure. And that was just kind of like our home turf. We know the promoter that that throws the parties, uh, and it's always a Thursday night party. Uh, Friday and Saturday are like, you know, top 40 stuff. Um, and yeah, so we threw Greco like a party. Oh, we, in, it was actually like a, a package. We like booked him and got like a remix from him. And it was this like whole thing that he came out and then we didn't really know him, but we wanted to sign him and he came out and visited and then he stayed for a few days and it was just like, we became, you know, yeah, literally best friends. We, we call each other and check up on each other. He's, He's the man, such, such a good guy, such a positive force in the scene and just a hard worker and like sets the bar for how hard you got to hustle. And he does it well. He's, I, I look up to him, you know, very, I, I, I mean, clearly I, I can't speak highly enough. Greco's the fucking man. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, and yeah, on Spira era and Rossum now, uh, Steven and I have both put out EPs on Rossum. Yeah. And that, I mean, like, I always, I mean, I've worshipped Rossum. Like, I always thought that was a huge label. And I mean, it is. They, they you know, he does numbers, uh, especially Rossum Deep now. Yeah. Like, one of the top, I think, like, top 10 minimal uh, labels, or at least he was at one point. Almost every time, Chartbreaker, man. For sure. Um, and, yeah, just the the artists that he's had on you know, Rossum, um, I was like, yeah. So, so becoming friends with him doing the spirit track and like, yeah, that, uh, runaway, <laughs> uh, song is good. honestly, like I, I grew up, my dad is, my dad's like 73. So he's super old. And <laughs> I just grew up listening to like fifties and sixty music in, in the garage. My dad is like just builds cars and stuff, so yeah. I was always listening to that. And that song specifically is like a huge kind of childhood nostalgia thing for me. And the whole like I wah, 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 wonder is <laughs> so catchy. And I was like, "Fuck, man, I gotta flip this." Yeah. And yeah, that's that's what that was. That that's that's a fun like crowd reaction one. It's so cool because I, I had Tom on actually on earlier in the earlier in the year. And um, after I started talking to you guys and looking at some of the things that he's done on Spear and you guys have done on politics, sort of these edits, you know what I mean? And like, I kind of like in Chicago, we kind of call it open format house a little bit. 
You know what yeah. I mean? You give people a little taste of vocals that they like. Because it's, it's hard to introduce people to a straight, no vocal tech house thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You got to be addicted. You yeah. This shit. I'll listen to that all day. But it's really cool because I feel like what you guys do with the politics and what Tom does with Spira is really cool because you guys are bridging this gap that's been being built by the big guys for a long time. But it's taking people like you to tell your friends and share our friends, be like, hey, listen, I know you don't love house, and that's fine, but give this a chance, listen to this, and they like it because they can sing along to it. And I just see that really being the future. And that's why I think Ask Myself is kind of like at the, the cornerstone again of where house is going. It's that shit. It's that shit, Joey. For real. I agree. Um, yeah, it's... I, I couldn't agree with everything you just said. It's, you know, you want to make these like aggressive, like dark tech house banger tracks, but yes. you got to look at like the crowd and what the crowd loves. And again, like you got to, you produce for yourself, you know, but make whatever you want. But right. when it comes to like track selection at a party, um, you know, people love vocals and not to like be like this, but like girls love to sing along to stuff. And I mean, everyone does, but let me just put it this way. You play like a Lady Gaga edit or something <laughs> and, and all the girls go wild. The club is going off. Right. Oh, so yeah. like, I, I hear you. Like it's, it's uh, like DJs can kind of frown on other DJs for like playing like, you know, like an, an edit of like, you know, Lady oh, Gaga or like some, yeah. some, something like that. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, if the fucking dance floor is going nuts, like that's all that matters. For sure. Absolutely. And, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Like, and I do have mad love and respect. And I'll go to shows where I don't hear a vocal for four hours. That shit's crazy. But I also know like, there's a much bigger sample population of people that love electronic music but are not intimidated by house. I don't even know what the word is. They'd rather do something else because they assume that it's what we're talking about, right? When really... We have so much to give in the house music community with different types of tracks because it's dance music. It just has a different type of baseline, different type of drop. But totally. I and yeah, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, like you said, it, it literally is just dance music. It's music to for people to have a good time at, you know. And people can get so locked in to like, and I'm I can say this about myself one hundred percent. Yeah. You're like, I have to just play tech house. I have to, you know, yeah. I have to get more and more aggressive as my set goes on. I have to keep getting heavier. You know, I have to like curate it. And it's like, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's like just experience DJing or I don't know. Maybe it's just getting, getting, you know, uh, a different perspective on it. But like, that's not, the move you know the move is playing music that the that everyone around you wants to hear and you know if that involves some corny lyrics like throw it in and then play a, a heavy dance track or a heavy like tech house track after it and you know this is like djing 101 but it's just like yeah it's it's you know it's your, your job is as a dj is to make people dance and you can be a sick producer and be a terrible DJ and you can be and vice versa, you know? Yeah. Um, so and like, even like, even the sickest producer and the sickest DJ can just be out of context for 
a certain environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like us going to Tulum, we just, if we, like Tulum isn't very accepting of like tech house bangers, you know? <laughs> we get shut the fuck down if we were down there playing some heavy, you know, tech house songs. Um, and that's just, that's kind of the fun of it, you know, is it's, I mean, I've had a lot of fun getting back to the whole, like, play what makes people feel good and what, you know, I, I've, I've been really, like, going back to, like, groove-based kind of things and, like, going back to the basics of, like, what's going to make people dance, what's going to make people feel good, what's going to make people, like, be like, holy shit, what song is this? I want to listen to this tomorrow, you know? rather than just being like, oh my God, these speakers are so loud and the strobe lights, my mind is blown, you know? Yeah. Like that's 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 cool too in like a festival or something. But I mean, definitely not now, but like that's, that's not the, that's not always the situation. And to really like reach people and connect with people through your music, you want, you want them to, you know, want to listen to it tomorrow. You want them shazamming stuff. You want them like, yeah. Even better, you want them to shazam it and that shit not to come up. Because yeah. <laughs> then they're like, holy shit, this guy knows something I don't know. Yep. Now I'm his fan, you know? Exactly. I, I always try and think about, you said a few good things there. I always try and think about giving the people what they didn't know they wanted. So I try and make myself happy as a DJ. I've played enough gigs where it's either to no one or I'm not even enjoying it myself. And that's why I'm thankful to have a day job. Because DJs, it's a tough job, man. I don't give a shit what people say. It is a tough fucking job. You got a lot of criticism. You have a lot of pressure on you, depending on the place. It only rises the amount of pressure. And I feel like with that style of house music, I'm happy, crowd's happy, motor's happy, everybody's fucking happy. So I, I really hope that when we come back, when it comes back, house was already on the rise and it still is on the rise because it's just... It just makes sense. I just want it to happen. So I'm law of attraction. House music is going to be the biggest thing. I think people are going to want that type of shit. They're going to want ask myself. They're going to want spear. They're going to want these good politics at us. And it's going to work, dude. For sure. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what you mean by it's going to work. Like, I feel like house music is the shit. (laughs) You you, like, yeah, you're right. it, it's also because we're just embedded in it, you know, but right. <laughs> it's, I know you're, you're actually totally right. Cause it, it blows my mind that like, we're still like, you think, Oh, tech house is like the most popular genre in dance music right now, which in a way it is, you know, but like at the end of the day, the average person doesn't have a clue what tech house is, you know, exactly. Which, uh, you know, it can be discouraging if you think about it like that, but it's, you know, house music has been around. It always will be around. It's like, it's the same thing why people love disco, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the freaking the stuff that gets you moving your body and just makes you want to go crazy with your friends. And that's that's all it is. It's just modern. Whatever that was, it's the modern version of it, you know? And it allows people to get together in big crowds with their best friends and have a dance off and have the best time and talk about it for weeks to come, you know? Now we're bringing it to 2019. This is when I first saw your name. I can't remember exactly what track it was, but Nutty is starting to circulate in the scene. You're coming in hot with some dope releases. Horse Rider EP. I, I like, put it on, and then I looked at an email or something, and then, like, I realized 10 minutes went by, and I had listened to the whole thing, the whole EP, and I was like, whoa, 
holy fuck, dude. Like, I just went on a journey. Like, at this point, what I'm noticing, and through the releases that in 2019, your, your mix down is getting cleaner. Your FX are getting more creative. Your artistic process is clearly taking a step up. And I heard it a lot with Horse Rider, man. Like, there's a good pace. It's like, throughout the whole thing, you know, it's always a cliche thing to say a track is a journey. But I really, really was taken back by that. And I want to just acknowledge you. I was very impressed. I had not heard those tracks by you. That was a really dope EP. Thank you. Yeah, that was, it's so funny. Horse Rider, I am so critical of that song because if I could go back, I would change it severely. Really? But that's that's the one song that people will like come up to me and be like, dude, Horse Rider is the coolest song. And I'm like, honestly, that's like, I, there's just some, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to ruin it, but like, there's just some things that I wish I could change about it. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's cool. But yeah, uh, that's, that's a song that really resonates with people. Um, and it. yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, it, it's awesome. It's dope. And then another Hood Politics EP, Bucky Gun. Can you just tell me what the fuck Bucky Gun means? <laughs> uh, Bucky Gun is I think it's one of the lyrics in it's an it's an MIA vocal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing more, make it move bad. Yeah, to make a sound. Uh, I though. Or uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just like a play on words of something that has to do. Right. You know, I think the original MIA song is called. It might be called like gunny buck or something i don't know it it was <laughs> it doesn't really make sense but that's yeah Bucky Gun is is the way and then honestly so yeah that song also not a very like heavy tech house hitter it's kind yeah. of kind of uh more like dancey more kind of just like housey right um, and then the revlo remix is is that's what i wish i would have done with it but i'm happy that's why we have revlo there to to do that revlo also Probably my best friend I've ever met on the internet. Um, <laughs> that's probably the Hood Poly celebrity, if we're going to mention one. Shout yeah. out, Revlo. Revlo, if you see this, I fucking love you, man. Uh, bro. He, and he, I know he's been involved with you guys, too. I know um, uh, DJ Susan and More Than Friends had a remix of one of his tracks. I put it in my year mix, actually. Just they, recently, yeah. That is a fucking hit. And then I listened to the yeah. original, too. Guy's for a good sure. producer, man. I got to have him on, too. Let's just keep it fucking going. For sure, I, he would love to. And fuck, man, I want to. I want to be involved with that one too. I, fuck. yeah, dude. <laughs> all, all he, so he he came out and visited me. Um, we just hit it off, and he's he's taught me so much for production. Just not even like, not even like I I like I like he's just so helpful and just just shares. He just shared so many like plugins and stuff that he was using with me and. Um, like really shapes a lot of my sound in terms of like just things he would tell me. And if I am curious about like a mix or if I'm like, you know, I, I, he's definitely the first person I go to if I have any sort of like mixing question. Okay. Um, just cause we're tight like that. And I just trust him. I love his sound. I think his, the way his mixes sound and everything is just right on, you know, right on point. Yeah. And yeah, Revlo, God, I, I love him. He, he came and visited me uh, for like a week, uh, flew out from the UK. It was his first time ever in America as him and his girlfriend, Millie, came out. And 
we just had the best fucking time. Um, we played, uh, I think we played a show in LA at Buffalo Club with him. And then we, it was the, the time we had a, a residency at this place in San Diego called Sidebar. And we had a hood politics residency down there. And we, oh, we threw a 420 party at El Camino in San Diego for him. He headlined that. And then we threw the, the I think it was Saturday night party at uh, Sidebar. He headlined that. And he, like, we just, you know, he he came and we just treated him like royalty because that's how, you know. royalty, yeah. Probably hospitality is next to none. You can quote us <laughs> on that. I'm dead serious. That's like the most important thing to us is is making sure people who not only, yeah, people who release with us and people who, you know, take the time to come hang out with us and, and see us and stuff, yeah, man. that they walk away being like, fuck, I need to do that again, you know? Yeah. And I remember I, he, we came back to LA together. I dropped him off at LAX and he was basically crying when, when I said goodbye to him. Gave him the huge hug. Bro, I could cry right now. <laughs> trip, like changed my life. And wow. it was just a, a crazy, it's just crazy to think that like this, it's, you know, this, this hobby, this music obsession that we all have has brought people from across the globe to us and we hang out and we, you know, do this stuff together and revel one of those people that. You ever had with a, a middle school or high school friend, right? Isn't it nuts? For sure. I yeah. experience it all the time. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Music, music is very rewarding. It just, it's, it kind of, you kind of got to see it too. You gotta, you gotta want the rewards, you know, you gotta like, you gotta, you gotta make the effort to, to make the friends, to have those, those meaningful right. sort of memories. Yeah. So true, man. It's invaluable. Um, I want to give a, uh, another shout out here to Greco. Yes, sir. A remi- what did he remix on there, too? That was a fucking Greco kick. He remixed uh, what? on there. What What did he remix? On Bucky Gun, there's a remix by Greco, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the Revlon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So that was... Your EP's in the remixes, bro. Like, hell yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, that's always fun. Because if you're... Uh, yeah, you, you get another hit out of a remix, and it's, you know... That's place for you too, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah, that was the remix that we we like booked booked him for that show at Shelter, and his manager Greg, like we talked about, it, he included the the remix in like the booking, and I don't know, it was this whole thing, but it was. Yeah. I think that was the only time we've ever like booked someone for a remix, you know, because that that was before we knew Greco, and we just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, respected him and wanted to, I think he was like, we were friends with him, but he was going to be in like LA or something. And we were like, come down for this party. And then we worked to deal with the remix. And yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was a pretty unique remix from him as well. Very, uh, very his style, very like New York. Overall, very cool. Very cool, man. Uh, also, you had a special original track with Rifa, Wait Up on House of Hustle. Oh yeah, big yeah. release, man. House of Hustle, of course, massive label, uh, huge, huge, huge tastemaker type label in my opinion in, in the scene. And that one too, I was like expecting a, a tech house, you know, Solardo like Fisher type banger. 
And I was like, I should have fucking known, man. This is nutty, dude. Like, I didn't expect it. And it was awesome. Really cool track. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty weird as well. Pretty unique. Um, <laughs> weird, yeah. Okay. It was weird. I was I was thinking about it. All of my all of my collabs that I've ever released, so like that emo one, yeah, uh, riff up, the the uh, uh, Jake Farmer one, Boondocks, yeah, uh, they all were stems that were sent to me. I don't know if it's my problem that I just don't want to send stems to other people, but <laughs> being the last person to touch the track. And, <laughs> That was definitely one of them. Um, but with that one, uh, I had actually known Riffa enough where we worked on that together, uh, like at his house in San Francisco. Oh, okay, nice. So yeah, I used to live in SF. I moved down here, and then he Riffa moved from New York to SF, and I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna come visit you sometime. Oh, yeah. And I had actually, that's right. I, I got. I played at 1015 Folsom with uh, Laser Native. Laser Native curated like the side room for some party. So I went up there for that and then I stayed at Riffa's all weekend and then we basically worked on that track and yeah. Wow. Yeah, another another kind of weird one, man. None, yeah. of, that, none of that generic shit. I love how you love hanging with people, bro. Um, on another honorable mention here really quick too, your edit of Dennis Salta's Our World. I feel like we could probably have a whole fucking episode talking about how great Dennis Salta is, but great, great edit, man. Really cool. I saw you played at Splash House too. Yeah. That's a good high quality, like and that. And that's why I said earlier, man, like it was clear to me after running through everything kind of like all at once to a certain extent that you have a story with signature elements that you incorporated every track. Right. But you have these, foundations that make me think okay he's not following a template like you might have your reference tracks you might have your inspirations to get you going your samples like you said but at this point in your career in 2019 which is much more recent obviously than when i was asking about 2017 2018 do you feel like you were kind of finding your sound finding your voice through music or is that still a process for you Ask deep questions, Joey. Come on, you should you should know this. <laughs> um, I mean, specifically with that that Dennis Solta one. No, no, no. Just like in general, because like like I said, like your your the, your tracks in 2019, quality wise, in my opinion, from my ears, just sitting in my chair, I don't want to speak for everybody else, especially you. There was a step up. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know if it was experience. I don't know if it was something you changed in the studio. But did you feel like you were leveling up in 2019? Definitely. Um, and I feel like that now I, I'm, you know, I, I look back at songs that came out a year ago and I'm like, yeah. I could have done that differently. You know, um, I do feel like the, the mix downs and stuff I'm doing now are, are way better than they used to be. I mean, naturally as, as with any, uh, person progressing, I guess. Um, honestly, I owe a lot of it to Revlo. I will, I will, I will chip in, chip him in here one more time. Uh, just, he he taught me a lot with like low end. I always struggled with bass lines, mm -hmm. like getting them to sound full, you know. Right. Uh, and I, I guess I guess I could could blame it on just talking to people, you know, like opening up. And yeah, and in 2017, I didn't have a lot of like music friends to bounce ideas off of. It was basically just Clemeni more than yeah. friends and we were both kind of in the same spot where we were kind of 
ignorant to like how to actually do things. Right. Granted, I had taken like MIDI classes and digital audio production classes and, um, you know, like low level music classes like that, but um, they don't teach you how to like mix down a baseline and, and side chain it, you know, and like all yeah. that. So <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I would say that that was the year I really started like talking to people and like doing research, buying plugins and um, like, I guess in a way investing in, in my craft and yeah. not, not just trying to use stock logic uh, <laughs> plugins and, and since I'm on logic through and through. Wow. One in a million. Me and you, man. Always. <laughs> so, is, so is Greco. So is Revlo. That's true. Greco is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm surprised that you and Colometti don't use or Ableton. That's a whole nother story, but okay. he's on, right? He's on, uh, I forgot. It's not Ableton, right? It's fucking, uh, he's on Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. That's what it is. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Which is like the, the, like the perfect, like trap bass music, uh, yeah, production program. Man, though. I mean, dude, I mean, it's whatever, it's, it doesn't matter, you know, it's just whatever you think. It's whatever, it's, whatever helps you do what you want to do as quick as possible. That's, yeah. that's kind of what it comes down to. And I'm just fluent as fuck in logic now. So it's like, I'd be losing time if I switched. Although, Steven was in machine. He was producing in machines. Uh, yeah. Like some, some, you know, DAW that they have. And uh, he was like really good at it. And then he, I told him like, you know, I, I, I never want to like discourage people, but I'm like, you're making great songs on machine. I guess I was, I don't know, maybe I was speaking from my own hesitations, but I was worried him switching to Ableton would slow him down and be a huge learning curve. And the shit he's making now is off the charts. So it almost inspired me. I'm like, fuck, maybe, maybe I start switching. But at the end of the day, like I'm, it's not the program that is limiting me, you know? And, you know, maybe, maybe me saying that is, you know, maybe, maybe it is, I don't know. But um, it's, it's, I, I never feel like I'm hitting a ceiling with logic, you know? It's, I, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm very aware of what options are there. And honestly, my, my roommate who wasn't a, it like, it wasn't a producer. He just started producing in the past couple months and I've been teaching him logic. And that's, what's really shown me like how open-ended logic is. Cause, um, it's just a, a perspective of, of someone that doesn't know what's possible, you know, and doesn't know what kind of capabilities this program has. And, you know, it's, it, it kind of opens my mind to new ideas. Cause I, I get to kind of like, think about things from a totally different perspective or like a new perspective of how you would go about doing something for the first time. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, shout out him. He, he goes by scones. We have a, we actually just signed an EP to criminal hype. Uh, that's coming out in March. Honestly, I've been trying to get an EP or a, any release on Criminal Hype since I started. That's like always, yeah. always been a huge, I wouldn't even say it was a goal. It was like a dream, you know? And uh, yeah, we got an EP, Criminal Hype, uh, in March. Oh, it's, yeah, it's his first ever release. So it's like, it's huge. I'm pumped well, for him. God damn, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 
But yeah, so logic, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're on logic too? Yeah, man, it's 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 what I've always used. I'm a Mac guy. I have like the one of my mentors, he used logic. So it just makes sense for me. And I agree with you, like I always use the reference and the metaphor, like everybody's got their toolbox and we're all building a house. You're gonna build your house, I'm gonna build my house, whatever I use, doesn't matter. We both make something. We're both building a house, baby. <laughs> yeah. Love that. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We're both stealing lines from each other. Joe, do you mind if I get a, another drink really quick before we go to the end of the interview here? Dude, do you think? Okay, bro. Feel free to drink and get another drink yourself as well, of course. For sure. All right, brother, my bad. You're good. I'm not sure if you're a seltzer guy, and I'm not usually, but it was what available to me. The Corona seltzers are the best, FYI. Really? Yes. What? Uh, dude, I've honestly, I. It's funny, I, I've been talking about this a lot lately. Seltzers took over the world for the past like year and a half, two years. <laughs> and it wasn't until we went to Tulum like a month and a half ago where we drank nothing but beer. Uh-huh, hell yeah. And like two months ago, I remember being like, I don't miss beer at all. Like seltzers are just the new thing. And I am on the complete other side of the spectrum now. I'm like... I love beer now. I, I've, I forgot how much I love beer, you know? And, um, yeah. I agree with you. I don't, I don't really know. I don't even know when the seltzer thing happened. It just happened all of a sudden in, like, 20, summer 2019. And I was like, okay, that, that's great. But I've always been a beer guy, dude. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy. I like an IPA. I also yeah. love Mexican beer, though. Were you drinking Modelo's or something like that? Screw, screw. Guy, God, I have to hang out with you guys, bro. Jesus Christ, I gotta be. I want to earn my stripes as a hood politics celebrity. Yeah, well, dude, you did. You interviewed all three of us. You're the only one who's ever done that. So <laughs> that's yeah. what it takes, right? You gotta do something that adds value to the hood politics guys in a way that hasn't been done before. Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or just you. Wait, you, you said you're in Indiana right now. I'm in Indiana. I grew up, I was actually born in, in California, in Santa Monica. I uh, lived there for really? a year. Yeah, that's why I do. That's why I like, I always, I go back to California as much as I can. I had a really good friend that lived in Los Angeles. I'd go back there. Uh, San Francisco, I love too. That's why I know all these places you're talking about because I'm, I'm a club kid myself. Gotcha. So I love to go to cities to <laughs> go to the club. <laughs> for sure. Right? Like, yeah. I even. I, I think Temple in San Francisco is pretty, I guess, I had a good time there, but... Yeah, yeah, Temple, I know Temple. Yeah, it's not. That place was fucking huge, dude. Yeah, like, it's pretty, like, EDM main, or at least when I was up there, very... Yeah. Mainstream. Um, yeah. Dude, I used to work for... Um, it's called Up All Night. It was an app. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's like a subscription-based ticketing platform. Yeah. Uh, so you pay like a monthly subscription and you get either free tickets or like majorly discounted tickets. If it's like a, obviously it's like a $50 ticket, you can't get it for free, but, um, yeah, the owner of the owner of the app was all also owns Monarch in San Francisco. And, uh, he bought what used to be mighty and turned it into the great Northern. So he owns uh, Monarch and the great Northern, which are like two of the top. 
definitely top 10 clubs in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, Great Northern's definitely probably top five. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I forgot why I started talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're going to, we're going to have to talk about the club life another time. But yeah, I'm in Indiana right now. It's where I grew up. It's a little town. Well, it's not so little anymore, but it's called Zionville. It's outside Indianapolis. But I uh, went to IU for college, graduated in 2015, moved to Chicago that summer, been there ever since. But it's in, you said, the reason I brought up a few things about the music industry were like, I didn't really have any friends that DJ. I had like a few in college, and that's when I started DJing and, and getting into music and stuff. When I came to Chicago, a large a large part of the reason I started the podcast is because it was really hard for me to meet people. I thought it was going to be kind of like college where you could go in, talk to the DJ, get a gig here and there, you know what I mean? But it's Chicago, you know? So it was like, it was a rude awakening for me. I always was passionate about radio and television um, and interviewing and things like that. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just start interviewing DJs in Chicago? That'll be a great way for me to meet people. Yeah. And here we are four years later, dude, and I'm talking to people in San Diego and UK and fucking now. the world, all over the United States. And it has just been such a special experience for me as just like a, a moment of growth where I feel like it's the coolest thing that I get to do this, have these great conversations, talk about music, and just give artists like you a platform to tell their full story. You know what I mean? For sure, definitely. Um, and that's the same thing with like hood politics, you know? You gotta find yeah. your way to kind of like permeate the scene and reach people. Not Like, you know, no one just wants to listen to some some guy. You, you gotta have some way to connect with people and with you yeah. that's people telling stories and, and getting to know people. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's a great way to get involved. It's fucking genius, man. <laughs> I'm having a great time with it, man. It's so, <laughs> it's so much fun. But let's get back into a 2020, okay? okay? The year of nutty, bro. You went full fucking nutty this year, man. Seriously, like, your tracks this year, all of them great. We're going to go through them, okay? I want to talk about, through this, I want to get this guy's name right, too. Heiko? Hako? Hey, uh, yeah, I say I say Heiko. Heiko. I feel like it's Heiko. Yeah, he's from the UK. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Dude, these fucking UK guys, man. All right, they're unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah, that, uh, so that track, wait, actually, the first track of 2020 was Fire Eyes. Oh, was it? Okay. It, if, I think it says 2019 on my Spotify, but it came out on January 1st. Oh, so oh. yeah, it does say 2019. I have it on here for actually the end of it. That took me back, though, dude, because that, one of the first electronic songs I really loved was the Zed's Dead Eyes on Fire remix. For sure, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that was uh, again just one of those songs. I remember we were just partying at my house, not even partying, like pre gaming for something. And one of our friends just put that song on, and I was like, the emotion that just comes from hearing that song, you know, is like next to nothing, you know, like that's such a powerful original song. Um, I just like, I don't know, I knew I had to flip it and. That's what came out of that. And then like a month later, uh, BB drops his his edit of it. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. (laughs) This fucking guy. I mean, I'm probably his biggest fan ever. I'm I'm fucking (laughs) but 
Like, this fucking guy is going to fucking steal my thunder. <laughs> Michael Beebe, what a guy. Funny yeah. in the game. But that is a great track. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. But, dude, I, through this was really... So through this, yeah, Heiko, that, that started as a demo to Hood Politics. Really? So, yeah. Um, something, I guess more so I, I like to do it, but we, we like to do it, is someone sends us a demo... And instead of just not signing it, we'll be like, hey, man, like, this is really sick, but we think we think it could be better. And we totally come from, like, a respectful point of view. And we're like, totally understand if you don't want to make any changes. But if we were going to sign it, we would want, like, this to happen. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, they make the edits and then we sign the track. Um, and that's what turns... You know, not only a good song into a great song, uh, or at least, you know, like a, a song that kind of fits with us to a song that is a perfect fit for us. Um, it, it also just develops that, like, trust and relationship with that artist, you know? Uh, and with him, I was like, dude, this song is fucking money. It, it was... Um, I actually did the final bass line, but like the sample came from him. Uh, a lot of the drums and stuff came from him. And I just remember being like, dude, there's so many things. I remember typing it. We call it tech support, right? Because it's <laughs> like, we're, we're helping you, you know, we're supporting your tech house, you know? So uh, we hit him with the tech support. <clears throat> and I remember, I remember writing it out and I looked at it and it was like a novel. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell the guy to do all this stuff. Yeah. And I hit him up personally and was like, dude, like I, this song is super sick. Uh, we would love to sign it, but I, I feel like it can, we can take it a step further. And he was all for it. Sent me the stems right away. Uh, or I, I think I just said, I have like so many ideas for this. I would love to like collaborate yeah. on this with you. And then, yeah, we just started talking and we, uh, went back and forth about it. And again, another song that I, I finished it. I got the stem sent to me. Um, I've, it's been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I gotta, I gotta send some, some stems off to people and get some other side of the spectrum. But yeah, that one, that again, just like fire eyes, just like, you know, all that shit. It's the, the sample, just you hear it and you just want to stand up and dance, you know? Yeah powerful it's so powerful and that's just a classic dude it's like one more time to have fun like everybody knows exactly. that. And you exactly. can, so if like you can be you can pre be pretty cookie cutter with well-known songs like that i think you guys did an excellent job of being unique in the sound too so kudos thank you yeah that one yeah that one's that one was great i'm, I'm really proud of that one and yeah to kind of your point i feel like that was 2020 i really like aimed for for tech house you know i really tried to channel the whole like high energy peak hour tech house bombs you know yeah and yeah i mean that's that's definitely you know the 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 one that yeah you yeah you you want to play at the at midnight you know or, or whatever when when it's when it's jumping off and it and it works and yeah, that's that was a sick one. And even the like the laser, the like right when it drops, there's like some crazy laser sound. That yep. was that's a, a stem from another one of our releases from Skonka. Shout out Skonka. I asked uh we, we had someone remixing one of his songs 
And I remember just thinking, fuck, those lasers are so sick. And I hit him up and I was like, dude, would you mind if I, because he sent us the stems to send to someone to remix. And I was like, dude, these stems are fire. Can I borrow one of these stems for one of my songs? And he was like, 100%, like, run it. Um, Hell yeah. And yeah, I tried to like change it. I added like some reverb and, and stuff. So it wasn't a direct, but uh, Skonka, uh, it's called, Sh- no, not Sugar. It was the B-side on... Uh, the beast oh man i forget what it's called the b-side on his little night ev uh which oh yeah all, all credit those those lasers are from that song but and then the original samples from heiko but yeah that was a fun one that's that's a good track dude stonk has the man i had him on too he doesn't realize how good of a producer he is he is dude he's fucking next level with his lasers he's he's crazy he's something else i love that guy so talented yeah. too he's uh cool. but 2020 came year ep on Rossum, bro. I mean, yeah, and shout out to Greco, Shake EP, collaboration with the man himself. And this yep. is when, too, I really noticed that, like, I don't know where you're getting your effects from. If you're sampling them from something or if you are just digging deep and splice, maybe you can provide some insight. But you're doing something really, really special with the FX and uh-huh that I noticed. It was a lot. Like, it wasn't too much. Like, a lot where I was like, whoa 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 yeah. like i just was like grooving but it was really cool where, where are you finding these fx because it really brings things together but makes it really unique uh with uh uh with uh-huh i'm trying to think of like the specific ones honestly i use a lot of stock logic stuff i've just been using logic for so long yeah it's good and for i've been using logic for like six years now mm-hmm. um maybe maybe seven and it's like honestly delay designer and uh reverb designer but like delay designer has a bunch of like the the ease in and the ease out presets yeah which just put some crazy like sort of like a reverse roll on like sort of like a drum roll that slows down on whatever you're putting the effect on. Right. Um, and yeah, I use a lot of that and like I'll, I'll edit the, the plugins or the, the presets. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I honestly just started using splice after that EP. I wasn't using splice during that EP. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I, I just got into splice like a couple months ago. <laughs> no shit. That's awesome. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's opened it up. It's, it's weird, man. Splice gives you so many options, but at the same time, it kind of, like, I try not to rely on Splice, you know? I Um, feel the same. I don't use my Splice credits. Like, you don't want to get too caught up in the process, especially if you're doing momentum creatively, and you're going through samples and kicks and all this shit. You lose it. So I know what you mean. That makes a lot of sense, actually, why you've been able to just pump out tracks. I feel like Splice can slow you down. It can, right? And yeah, you like you can just go to like MK's tool room thing yeah, and just right. literally make a tech house song from just that. And it's like, did you really make a song or <laughs> did you just match some puzzle pieces together? You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely new to Splice, uh, and it's cool though. It it helped a ton. Um, Shout out the Noizu pack. That's probably the best one. The best one on there is the noise <laughs> Noizu pack. Uh, specifically the kicks. Those are just really, really solid. Um, 
the MK tool room has some cool tech house stuff. Honestly, I like to like, like fuck using splice for tech house mm-hmm. or the, the tech house side of splice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love going into like other genres and, mm. and taking that and make, and, you know, fitting it to a tech house song. So like drum and bass has some crazy sounds. Yeah. Uh, really sick sounds that you can just, you know, cause the whole drum and bass, I want to say is like older than, you know, like drum and bass has been around forever. So it's so like, it has such a, a sound and such a sort of like regimented kind of vibe, you know, that everything about it, like a lot of it sounds very similar. Like you can recognize, I mean, obviously the drum and bass is like a beat and a pattern, but a lot of the samples and drums that they use right. are kind of recurring. Right. And uh, a lot of that shit sounds really cool. And it, like in a in a house song because house you know you're used to like the classic like 808 909 claps and the hats and all that yeah. and it's really fun to take other stuff that is associated with other genres like you know like the the drum and bass like the i don't even know what you call it or like the the jersey club like the little the classic like little drum sample that's in all the jersey club songs yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. all like the cashmere cat shit and yeah. and all that <laughs> And putting that kind of stuff in house music because people who like that other genre are like, oh my God, I love this. Right. And you're like really resonating with people who don't necessarily love that genre, or at least you're you're reaching a wider audience. And you know, I'm obviously really analyzing that heavily. But I know that's great advice, man. I yeah, agree. and like drum and bass, uh the the techno stuff can be cool, but like, yeah, honestly, drum the drum and bass splice section is my favorite. That's, that's a really good point. You just reminded me, I found like this Congo in an Afro house sample kit. And I was just like so sick of looking at tech house. I was like, I don't really even know what I want to make right now, but let me go to something a little outside left field. So I just made a little BPM range and I was like, damn, this little bongo. I was like, I like that. That could be good for a break. What if I start here? And then now I've kind of started incorporating into a lot of songs and I'm like, maybe this is my little signature. And it inspired me. So you're right. You got to go outside the box. For sure. If you're, if you're making tech house and you open splice and you filter by tech house, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's good you're, advice. Stuck, you're stuck in the box. You gotta, that's the beautiful thing about splice, man. There's literally endless things. And if you're not going to like cross reference and pull things from over here and put them in, your song that's a completely different genre it's like you're not you're not really like you're you know i if you filter by tech house and you make tech house and splice you're using it for what it's for you know you're using it the way it was designed but you're not really going above and beyond that and that's kind of where that's that's what you got to do to to be different you know love that man um another one of your great tracks too leading up to Ask myself your remix of LA Riot's Acid Roll. And it's really cool too, because I remember DJ Susan telling me about a lot of people that have come on to good politics in the beginning. And you know, Frankie Watts, the LA Riots man, to see where those people are at too. Frankie, yeah, man. He was the first person to ever come and visit us from the UK. We did an EP for him long before he blew up. He was he was doing well, but he he didn't like transition into that the type of music he's making now, you know. 
yeah. he hadn't made that transition yet. So, uh, yeah, that was just just as a side note. Shout out Frankie Wah. He's fucking amazing. <laughs> Huge Hood Poly celebrity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But this was this was dope, man. Like, you, you snapped. And that's a track, too, that I, like, parted immediately, added it to the put it on my USB type track. And I think that, you know this, Mike Clemente mentioned this, and this is something that I found to be one of the most powerful pieces of information that I share with my friends, that I share with other producers, that I share with DJs, that I share with people trying to make the music industry. Get your music on the USBs of DJs that are going to play it. That is yeah. how you make connections. That is how you get your music on labels. That is how you build up your name. And sure. I just wanted to acknowledge you again. That is a track that needs to go on USBs. That is a track that needs to be sure. strong on speakers, bro. Yeah. That's, uh, again, really aiming to be like a tech house bomb. You know? <laughs> I, I, 2020 was the year of the channeling the tech house for sure. Uh, no, it's so funny because like with no live shows, but I'm like, this guy's fucking dropping bombs, dude. And I love that though. You got to. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's that one's loud. Honestly, I feel like I went a little too too tech house on that one, but I'm not not oh. complaining. It's, it's I'm I'm super happy with it. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It's inspired me to like. I don't know. Again, man, like I could just keep pursuing these like tech house kind of keep aiming towards that specific sound. But I just I don't know, man, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really I mean, to be cliche or not cliche, but just um, like I'm really into minimal stuff right now. And like the more like upbeat minimal stuff, of course, um, yeah. coming from tech house, like uh you know tech house is very like dancey and uh, some minimal stuff can be a little bit like you know slow and and i mean not slow but like simple simple yeah great uh and yeah like there's the like i guess i don't know after a year of of tech house weapons i'm like i don't know let's let's get back to the groove side of it you know yeah uh, i mean i love that you asked like where my mind was at and what kind of sound I was trying to create for the nutty brand because that shit changes like every week, you know? That is your sound. That is your stick. The ever changing. Dude, we ran through almost all your tracks. I love asking this question, especially someone who's released so much music that's been in the game for years now. Are there any tracks that mean the most to you, regardless of success, regardless of streams, regardless of DJ support, and why? Of my own tracks? Yeah, your own tracks that you released. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the two tracks that me and my roommate made are super special to me because they're the first tracks he's ever put out, and they're super sick. They're very groovy. So, like I said, we're we're getting back to things. <laughs> um, it's a it's a two track EP. One of them is like a total just groover, and then the second one is a little more tech housey. But, um. Uh, I love the, the Dennis Sulta edit, I think was very, really special to me. Cause it's kind of, uh, um, I don't know, to be honest, like my, the reason I love that song so much, it's a very like daytime song. Yeah. And when I think of my, like, 
ideal. I've always dreamed of this. Like my my dream like performance, like DJ gig, DJ set yeah. would be at like a massive daytime festival. Hell yeah. And that's just like what I've always visioned, being in like a very packed, intimate, like close to the crowd, you know, like not a huge stage. I want to be close to people, super crowded with a bunch of trees. I got a For sure, a couple, <laughs> a handful. And that's one of those songs that's just like a total, like sort of like Latin, you know, like very... Uh, just groove oriented it's it's and like in that song like right before every snare there's like a there's like a little hit right before the snare that's kind of like the offbeat that kind of gives it that little like jerk rhythm to it right um yeah that one's really special also the the kurt reynolds remix did you did you look at that one at all i did yeah actually i think i might have skipped over that one on accident that one's uh, a mix. stereo. Yeah, kind of, kind of a similar vibe. Like very Latin, very. Yeah. And those kind of came out near each other. So, dude, I don't know, man. I go through waves. <laughs> I went through a a Latin phase apparently. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm sure Tulum would appreciate those tracks. <laughs> <laughs> the good people of Tulum need to hear those. <laughs> yeah, that's That's awesome, man. Well, we brought it up a few times. I want to talk about the politics. We heard the story, but tell us more about your role, how you coexist uh, within the brand, um, and what the goals for the future for hood politics are. For sure. Um, so, like we said, I do all the album art, all the graphics, and everything. Yep. Um, that's just something I used to organize with my cousin, and then my cousin got too busy, and I've just sort of taken over the whole artwork side of it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, we, we just share kind of the A&R, like we're always, we have our like shared hood politics friends, you know, Revlo, Frankie, Ben Reed, right. all these people. And then we all have our like individual friends. So we all kind of do our own legwork with A&R of just like, uh, you know, talking to our friends and they send us demos and then we share it with each other. Right. Um, I definitely take more of a, like, I try to be, like, the manager, you know? I'm, like, sort of the serious one, which... <laughs> you? Yeah, because, like... I, I, just, I had brand in high school and college, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, we got to, like, do this. We got to get this done. We got to, like, have Love all this it. stuff done. Love it. Um, and... Yeah, Steven's just like the love and energy, you know? He's like the love bug, the little the little <laughs> sun that we all orbit around. And uh yeah, you know, so it's it's a very you know, loose setup that we have, but it works perfectly. Obviously, it's tough. I live in LA. Uh they're both in San Diego and our sort of market is in San Diego. Um when I moved up here, like we we've, we've made a ton of friends. Freak on binge watch um, all those boys live up here and I hang out with them all the time up here, which is amazing. So we're kind of expanding the poly. Those guys are blown up. Yeah. Freak, freak kills it. Uh, and Tony, Dr. Fresh, uh, he's kind of like there. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure they would agree that he's kind of their mentor. Um, he's yeah. just a great guy. He's one of the, the most nicest. He's like, he's like Steven. He's just one of the greatest, most loving people. He's, he's, I mean, I don't have to tell you, he's well known in the industry for being a good person. 
hundred percent. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the LA, uh, chapter of the poly and yeah, I'm sort of like the, the business mind of it all. Um, I went to business school and I've just always sort of been, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can be like serious about organization and stuff like that, sure. uh, which is necessary, you know. Um, but it's not the only thing that that brings success to a team, you know. So we we are very, um, you know, the dynamic between us all is very different, and we're we all bring something different to the table, and you know that combined with us just being like best friends is just what makes, you know, a, a perfect little, uh, contrasting little team, you know, that just, we, yeah. we all bring something to the table. Um, but yeah, the future, uh, big plug right here. We're starting a sub label. Uh, I'm not going to drop the name of it cause we're going to, I want to drop it in a very special way, yeah. but we're starting a sub label. That's more focused, kind of like our edit series, but more, um, sort of like like a minimal sub label but but less of a focus on on minimal and just more uh just the kind of like Hippoly has just always been high energy peak hour yeah. tech house bombs like if it's not a weapon don't send it to us you know right like that's and that's what people know you know so yeah. uh but there's songs that are fucking amazing that don't fit that vibe so yeah, we're gonna we're starting a sub label, uh, and it's gonna be focused more towards the 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 maybe not a peak hour weapon, you know, but more so like a groovy song that just kind of gets stuck in your head for you know weeks, and you can play on, you know, you can play out on a boat party, you can play during the day, you can play, you know, the 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 stuff that you can listen to any time of the day. More streamable so to speak. Sure. Yeah. More, okay. more, uh, yeah. Groove oriented. Yeah. And yeah. So we're super pumped on that. I'm sure, um, Steven living in Tulum definitely contributed to that. Cause he's, <laughs> Tulum is just such a different music type of environment. And it's, it's hard to like imagine that, but it's everything down there is just a slowed down kind of tribal. Sure. Um, thing but it's really cool and refreshing to be able to kind of switch your mindset you know if you're always going to nightclubs and you know maybe we can thank covid for that that we haven't been at a nightclub every weekend for the past 10 months you know yeah, so i'm used to it now it's weird yeah but your mind starts to like go outside of of tech house because you you can't you know you're not just listening to tech house in your house every single weekend like you would be if you're in a nightclub totally. so yeah you know you get to kind of like think about other types of music i've gotten super back into like reggae not like um you know not like white people reggae not iration and shit but like the <laughs> the, the culture and uh like the band culture i mean uh and yeah. like you know desmond decker uh toots wow. and the maytals and all that those that's like the shit to me and i i listen to that pretty much every fucking day <laughs> that's like my yeah. that's, that's my happy place is the roots rock reggae anthems you know yeah and i'm uh be on the lookout because i'm i'm sampling some shit and you're, you'll, shit. 
you'll hear some big vibes next year. Correction, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, but yeah, so the future hood poly sub label. Um, you know, we just, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough to see where the music industry goes. We were throwing a ton of parties before. We're not doing that now. Right. We haven't taken a big, like, step in the streaming direction. We did, we streamed, uh, we did, we, we've done sets and stuff. Um, but I don't know, that's just not like our forte. And I know there's opportunities there for growth and stuff. I'm, I'm just not really passionate about the whole streaming thing. What we do well is release music. And if there's one thing we can offer people during this quarantine is we can keep putting out music. And that's the one thing that we have just, we know that we're good at that. That's it's what we can do. We do it well. And so this year we, we thought about like not putting out music because we're like, no one's partying. No one's really fired up on tech house. Right. Um, and then we realized that's kind of the only thing we can offer people. So we said, fuck it. We're going to change our bi-weekly releases to weekly releases. We're going to put out as much music as possible and just, you know, do what we can. And so we're, we're going to continue doing that. Now we're going to have two labels to do that with. And um, I don't know. It kind of depends on the scene. You know, we love throwing parties. We have a really solid community, both L.A. and San Diego. Um, like the last party, literally, uh, cross weekend was like the last, the last big thing to happen. We threw our boat party. It was a huge risk. Not going to lie. We put a ton of money down. It was a huge risk. Like we, you know, it, it was, we, we said, fuck it. You know, we, we said, let's do it. We're only going to find out if it's going to work one way. And that's just by charging it. And we had like a um, 500 person capacity boat that we had basically sold out. And then the day before the party, or maybe it was, it was, it was the day before, like the night before the day before the party. So basically 48 hours until people should be getting on the boat and the 500 person capacity boat that we had booked and basically had almost sold out, uh, like broke down. Yeah. So the only other thing they had was the, the fucking huge horn blower, which was like a 1200 person capacity, which you're like, hold, and they're like, we're going to just, we're not going to charge you anymore. It's kind of our fault, you know? So we're just going to let you guys do it. Yeah. And this is the boat that like Foss did a whole repopulate boat party on, um, <laughs> like, you know, love life music is for lovers did like a whole, they do like their star Wars one there. Yeah, um, it's a, it's like an aircraft carrier, dude. The shit's massive, oh. and in a way, you're like, oh, cool, we get this big boat, but it's fucking a lot of pressure because yeah, what was gonna be a packed party is now gonna be a super spaced out party, and there's nothing worse than having oh god, you know, a a huge warehouse with only a hundred people in it. It doesn't, it's not as fun. Whereas if you had a tiny room with a hundred people in it, it's raging, you know. So. Uh, anyways, we just charged it and it, we ended up having like 750 people on the boat, fucking huge success. That was like easily our, our coolest party ever. Um, it's crazy. And yeah, we, a lot of people. it really was. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We were like pulling out every, every little tip and trick in the book. We're like, we started selling group, group ticket or group, <laughs> yeah, like 
pay for eight tickets for like some discount, you know, you and like seven homies can come and we sold like 20 of those. Like it was, it was crazy. We somehow pulled it off and, you know, we had the whole function set and, uh, yeah, everything with a full like festival light setup, um, went above and beyond with like what we prepared for it. And just thank God people wanted to party. And then it was like the next weekend after that, everything closed. So we, it was cool that we had kind of like the last say in a, in a way we, we really got to go out with a bang. Um, but it sucked because we were like peaking with momentum. You know, we, everyone that bought those tickets were like amazed at the party. We're eager to come back for another one and we haven't been able to do anything. So I don't know, man, I think the, the world and the scene will determine kind of where we go, but in terms of releasing music, you know, we're going to keep doing that. We're, we're booked out with hood poly until like May. Um, and okay. that's with a, a release every single week. So that's like, <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, um, and dude, like, you know, we've, we're definitely, you know, le- leveling up with the caliber of artists that we're signing. We have, um, don't blink, uh, dissolute. We have Redux Saints. We have like all of these people who we've kind of worshipped for a while, and you know they're they're actually like players in in the game. You know, um, yeah, they're they're actual people that make make a difference in the scene. You know, and and have eyes on them, and they, you know, they they support us and want to release with us. So we are you know we're going to keep pushing upward with with that kind of thing and you know try to try to start a new sort of spin-off with the with the sub label and just i don't know focus on releasing music and then once events come back we'll get back to that but i'm not really worried about that right now yeah just stick to your guns man i mean you guys you throw great parties can't do that right now that's okay Double down on music. I think that makes sense. I did the math. Five months till May. Time four. You got yeah. 25 tracks coming. Uh, yeah. For sure. 25 tracks of, of music, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, that's not even including the edits. So yeah, the edits, really with edits, we do two releases a week. Because we do, ideally, our, our ideal scenario people who run labels take notes. This is the winning formula. Yeah. You put out a release on Friday or whenever you want to put out your releases. We do Fridays and that Wednesday prior, we put out a free download if, if possible, put out a free download, edit the hood poly edit series uh, from that artist to uh, one introduce the label or introduce the artist to the label if they're new um, and just get people kind of fired up on this artist. If they've never heard of them before, we have this free download everyone's like, Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, our first release of, of the new year is from Victor Bari, uh, a kid who would just send us a ton of demos, hood poly celebrity right there. One of our best homies right now lives in Brazil. Um, and he, I, I hit him with a bunch of tech support. Like I said earlier, he, he would yeah. send us some tracks and I would kind of go back and forth with him and we just have such a respect for each other now from just working with each other like that. Um, I know he has a collab with more than friends that 
Uh, I think they just signed somewhere. It, it hasn't come out yet. Uh, him and I are working on some stuff. Anyways, uh, the first release of the year actually is this Friday from him. And it's his debut on the label. And then we have an edit from him coming out tomorrow. And that's kind of just a great way to, yeah, you know, introduce someone to the label to our community and people can kind of get a taste of their sound. And then we say, here's the real release. Check it out on Spotify, yeah. whatever. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fun little little way to get like, you know, someone who has an edit and uh, or like a bootleg, you know, get them, get them two releases in a week yeah. on the same label. And they really kind of, it's kind of like a little takeover they have, you know, they get to be the shining star of Hood Poly for a whole week. Um, Great idea. Then they do the Spotify takeover. We, we let them curate our, our playlist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really what it is. Hood Poly just gets, just gets taken over by a new artist each week and they, they, they get the keys. <laughs> Dude, that's so, that's so awesome because you guys are artist centric. You're artists running a label. And I think that's what really is the biggest difference between Hood Politics. And obviously there are so many labels that are run by guys that are in the game. But it's just about how you guys go about it. And it's like you said in the very beginning of the interview, relationship driven. 100%. That's, it all comes back to love, man. Like not to be corny. I know it may sound corny, but that's literally the driving force behind everything in the world. But like with music, like, you know, most, most people you release with a label, you don't like become best friends with the founders of the label. And we yeah. have a, a slew of artists that have just, we've just grown so close with. Um, yeah, I could just name them all. And it's like, it's nothing like it. And if, if there's one thing we hear more often, or one thing we get told that I didn't expect we would sort of, we didn't really plan for this is just that, you know, it's, it's making artists feel loved and, and appreciated you know and and checking in with them and literally being their friend you know like like you just said the relationships it's yeah. it's more than just music and contracts you know it's yeah. it's about supporting people and we're all on a level playing field and we want to lift everyone up the way we want everyone to lift us up and we all grow together if we do it right you know so that's what it comes down to God. Sorry, that was beautiful man Hey, thank you, man. Have you seen Interstellar? <laughs> it's been a while. Why? <laughs> Love is the only force that transcends space and time. Oh, shit. Right. <laughs> You're a McConaughey guy, aren't you? I am. <laughs> For sure. I have a buddy who's a really big fan and uh, bought one of his books signed and shit, and he was telling me all about it, too. So I love him, man. That makes sense. He's a good yeah. guy. He's but a hey, good man. It's all up. That's, that's what it comes down to. And yeah. the same thing, like, you know, you, you giving people a chance to talk about their story and, and connect with people. And that's, it's all the same underlying motive is just to connect with people and, you know, let people have a, I guess, a moment to shine and make them feel, make them feel special. And that's with you, with your, your interviews, podcasts, and with us releasing for music or releasing music for them. Yep. And it all just comes down to making people feel good and making people feel appreciated, making them feel loved. And that's what keeps people coming back. That's what keeps the scene healthy. That's what keeps people motivated. 
keeps um they want to jump back into the studio they want to make another ep you know and that's the kind of like healthy sort of inspiration and like you know sort of driving factor that frankly we need more of you know yeah yeah i appreciate that man it really does mean a lot it's a team game and I, I really try and wear that on my sleeve every time I, I do an interview, every time I share an artist's music. We've got to collaborate. We've got to help each other more. And I, I said it earlier, I've seen that more this year than we ever have. And that's why I think the scene, we're coming, we're coming up on the cusp of, of, a, of a revolution, I believe. And it's, it's going to change the game. So I'm just happy to be interviewing you guys like you, man. This has been such a great conversation, dude. Fucking politics, baby. I did it. I did it. I got the trifecta. Yeah, now, you did I keep delivering the story of hood politics, man. You guys got a great future, man. That's for sure. Thank you, man. Yeah, you're like the, uh, oh, what's the uh, the famous journalist guy? <laughs> yeah. I, for, I forget his name, but you're getting all the interviews and you've, uh, yeah, you've done it all. You've, you've permeated the scene and I, I love it. Dude, I, I, I said it to, I said it to Steven, I said it to Michael, like, Chicago loves hood politics. I know you guys know that. I guess had a great party at Spy Bar. Spy Bar. Uh, yeah, with Garrett and yeah, yeah, Summit. Summit has always been a good friend of ours. He's the yeah. man, his like trajectory is insane. But I, you know, I support it and love it till the end. But yeah, he that party at Spy Bar. Were you, were you there? No, I wasn't. But I, I think I was out of town actually because I had I had, I've known Chris for a few years now and he was there. I know I think he played or was there, helped put it on and stuff. But yeah. Chicago does love you guys, man. Like, when I was, whenever this shit is back, I'd love to, like, do a whole weekend of things with you guys. Because I've got a, I'm, I, you guys have California, I've got Chicago, so we'll fucking link up, right? For sure, definitely. Yeah, we, yeah, when we did that Spy Bar show, it was like, John Summit presents Hood Paul's, or it was like, I forget what it was. But we went out there, and, like, a bunch of people came out, and it was crazy. Uh, we, you know, we have just from within the music scene. That's again, back to the relationships thing. Like uh, our buddy Wes, who runs sub sessions out here, he's there up in slow uh, San Luis Obispo. He is from Chicago and like his whole family came out to the show, like dad, mom. And uh, it was just like, it's just insane. The, the, the support, the support that you can get, you know, when, when you make someone feel special and feel loved, you know, they return it right back to you. And I mean, I'm sorry, I keep fixating on this idea, but it's like, it's, it's literally what the scene revolves around, or at least our scene, our, our little hood poly community is, you know, you, you give love and you get it back. And yeah, we, we spent the weekend with summit at spy bar. Um, Garrett, uh, infinity is the, the, the guy there. Um, dude, I've actually, him and I became SoundCloud homies, I want to say like 10 years ago. Yeah, we were he's a fucking legend, dude. He is. For sure. He's such a good guy. Um, I actually hung out with him. My my ex is from Chicago, so we went to Spy Bar for New Year's, like a few, like a year or two before we did that show out there. Mm-hmm. And I met him because we were just homies on SoundCloud. And like he, yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's a total legend. But yeah, we did. We did the Spy Bar. Then we went to like this underground, like it was like a Latman party under some freeway bridge. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Paradigm put it on, I think. Yeah, yeah. Par- exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, such a weird, 
a weird event, but yeah. That's Chicago, a- bro. We just do whatever the fuck we can. Put some speakers up, doesn't matter the temperature, we just do it. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Yeah, that was a hot one for sure. Speaking of hot ones, you know that you know the interview guy, hot ones. Yeah, of course, he was at that that Lautman party, and I fanboyed hard as fuck. I was like, was he? He was there, and I was like, you're the shit. I took a bunch of pictures with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was just being a class guy. He was a good guy. Super he was at a Lautman <laughs> show. He likes tech house. I know. I was like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> Don't you have some chicken wings to eat, man? <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus, what a great story. So I just want to say one, once again, man, like, your music is special. The politics brand is incredible. And this conversation has only solidified my love for you guys and the politics and the Southern California scene even more, man. It's just a pleasure to talk to you and connect with people like you, man, for real. Likewise, dude. It's all mutual, you know? It's... It's amazing to, to get to connect with people and, yeah, you know, share this kind of uh, insight on the scene. For sure, brother. Happy New Year to you, okay? You enjoy yeah, your... Dude, happy holidays. Um, yeah. Happy holidays. doesn't Let's feel like holidays. 2021, but... right. That's right. Let's keep it going, brother. I appreciate your time. I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Dude, yes, sir. Love you, man. Love you, Joey. You're the man, brother. I right, did it. Trifecta. Yes, you did it. You're the only one. <laughs> You're a pioneer, man. (laughs) Have a good night, Joey. Keep drinking Modelo for me, okay? Yes, sir.